Welcome to episode four of A Jewish Life. I'm Rabbi Boris Dolan, Rabbi of Congregation Dorshamet in Montreal, Quebec. On this podcast, we will continue to hear the stories of our Jewish community, learning about our history and exploring our identity through the Jewish journeys of our diverse Jewish mosaic. So far, we've heard a few stories of people in our community, people who shared their unique backgrounds and life stories, who explored their theology, Jewish connections, and reflected on the lessons they learned from their experiences. It's a lot to take in. And for me, this has already changed how I see the people in my community, but also how I understand my own Jewish journey. This idea of journey is something that we often use when discussing our lives. A journey, of course, can be a physical one, a move from one place to another. But for so many of us, a journey takes us to a deeper level. It's what happens after we ask the question, so tell me about yourself, when the sighs and the pauses and the laughter and maybe even the tears appear. This is when a life story becomes an opportunity to share wisdom and to learn from each other. A journey is something that somehow changes us, that brings us to a new way of understanding our lives or our relationship with others. It helps us grow and reflect on who we are. The challenge, I think, is in some way remembering that we don't have to have the longest, most exciting story to find meaning from this journey. There are some of us whose lives truly have been an adventure. For better or worse, there are those of us who have moved or have been moved around, who have done big and exciting things or have had challenges, losses, and pain that have taken their toll. But even those people who stayed put, whether they wanted to or not, still have so much to share. For this episode of A Jewish Life, I interview Peter Margot. Peter was born in Germany in 1930, just a few years before Hitler took power. He eventually made his way to Canada, where he started his family, took over his family business, and found his place in the Jewish community. He has a unique understanding of the purpose of Jewish tradition, and was able to connect deeply to Judaism, even though he was raised in a mostly secular family. A few years ago, Peter suffered a major stroke, from which he's still recovering. As you would expect, this was a life-changing moment in Peter's journey. But even as he is still healing today, he stayed remarkably strong. As a lover of history, as someone who deeply knows the importance of remembering the past, Peter has always been able to look forward, to stay positive and reflect on his role in the world. I hope that, like me, you will be inspired by hearing his story. Welcome, Peter, to this episode of A Jewish Life. I'm so happy that you're here to share your story with us. I know that you have an inspirational story and that you've been on a long journey in your life. And I'd like to begin by asking you to share a little bit about your upbringing. I know that you were born in Germany. And if you can go back even further and tell us about your ancestors, your parents, your grandparents, your deepest roots. Well, I know much more about my father's side of the family. And because I have a family tree from that family that goes back to 1740 in what is now Poland, and at that time was just about to become part of um, Germany. Okay. The town I visited on my 80th birthday, and um, I uh, was very surprised to see how small it was, but it was where the family originated. And my grandfather, whom I knew personally, uh, was born there in 1863 and left for Berlin 
I guess just about the time when the railroad came into town, mm-hmm. because at that time uh, it was the railroad age and uh, railroads were being built all over Europe. So he went to Berlin, became a lawyer, and uh, so did my father, who was his oldest son. He had three sons, my father being the oldest, and uh, he the only one that I think had a Jewish name, uh, a Hebrew name, which was Joseph, his middle name. But he and his brothers were all named after you know, very Germanic names. My father was Helmut, his middle brother was Bruno, and his youngest brother was Otto. Wow. So all three brothers uh, came to Montreal together with the rest of the family. We were very fortunate. Uh, nearly all the Margoninsky family was able to get to Montreal, where they became Margot. Now, I, I later found out when I went back to Poland that there was actually a town called Margonin. Hmm. And so I, I learned the origin of our family name, which was Margonin. And if you were from Margonin, it was Margoninsky, hmm. except that I couldn't find anybody that had come from that town. So somebody must have been an interloper uh-huh. or somebody, uh, t- t- despite the people who lived in Koyanka, called them Margoninsky. So you were born in Germany. Yes. Uh, and this was uh, before World War II. Before I was born in 1930. 1930. Three years before Adolf came to power. What a time to be born in Germany. So what? tell me about your childhood. What do you remember? Were there? Was it a tough time to be in Germany? Uh, what were some of the positive aspects of growing up at that time? What do you oh, remember? I, I have only pleasant memories because my parents obviously shielded me and my sister, who was younger than I, <clears throat> from whatever was going on around us. I went to a school just down the street, which was a Jewish school. It was called the Kaliski Schule, named after Lotte Kaliski, who was the uh, principal. And I later found out that a member of the Gestapo lived next door to this place and had uh, objected vehemently that uh, there should be a Jewish school set up right next door to where he lived. Hmm. But uh, the authorities didn't help him out, and we uh, uh, were a a very happy bunch of kids going to that school. It was an old mansion with a swimming pool, and uh, a swimming pool. Yes. Had Did all sw- the schools have a swimming pool? No. That's a what a treat. That was a uh, an add-on on that house. Yes. And uh, we uh, had lots of um, interesting uh, courses, uh, but my best subject was Jewish religion. Mm. And I still have my report card from that time, and a comment from the teacher about. Uh, the uh, achievement I had done. And when I came uh, to Montreal, I was able to sing quite a number of uh, Hebrew songs from that school. Hmm. And I was very happy that I had two older cousins who were in the same school mm-hmm. and who uh, emigrated to Israel with their mother. And one of those cousins is still alive, living in Jerusalem, and I visited him uh, a few years ago, and I'm still in touch with him. Wonderful. So outside of school, it sounds like you had a great experience in school. What do you remember about your childhood? What did you do for fun? Were there places you went, uh, things you did with your friends? Well, 
we didn't go very far afield, but there were uh, things going on in the area. I had a grandfather who lived nearby in the Grunewald, which was a very nice part of Montreal, of um, Berlin. And actually, his house was on the Wannsee, hmm. which is where the infamous Wannsee Conference was. So I figure he was just on the opposite bank, probably not too far if you went across the lake to where that terrible conference took place. Yes. You had fun with your friends outside of school. You had uh, plenty to keep you busy. Well, most of my time was spent at school. At school, okay. So growing up in the early 1930s, as you said, this was right before Hitler came to power. This, this I'm sure, even though you were having an okay experience in school, there must have been some anti-Semitism, the growing uh, issue with, with the Nazis and the Jews. Was this something that you felt as a child? I didn't feel anything. But my parents had to report every month to the Gestapo. Yeah. This was before we left. And uh, my father obviously knew... Uh, the time had come to leave. We were very fortunate. We had uh, Otto, his youngest brother in Montreal, who facilitated our emigration because in those days it was very hard for Germans, German Jews to get into Canada. Mm -hmm. What age were you when you did leave? Germany? I was seven. Seven, okay. Yes. And what do you remember about this journey? You came straight to Canada? Uh, no, we didn't go straight to Canada. In those days, there were no airplanes flying between Berlin and Montreal. Of course. So we took a train through uh, Holland. We stopped in Rotterdam, where my father was met by a lawyer hmm. who had sold a house that my father had invested in in Holland. Okay. And, that, and gave him the money at the uh, railroad station. We then went from uh, Rotterdam to the uh, coast, took a, sh a ship across the channel, the English Channel, spent a few days in London with friends of my mother's. Hmm. Then we took the train to Liverpool and got on the Duchess of Bedford. Mm -hmm. And then uh, you made your way to Canada. And then on the Duchess of Bedford, we uh, sailed to Canada. Okay, well, that is quite a journey. So, so it was in the fall, and the Atlantic was already quite rush, uh, rough. And I still remember, I didn't get very seasick, but I fell in love with spaghetti, which was easy to eat, uh -huh. especially when it was bumpy. Really? Okay. Now, I know in the United States, people tell the stories of arriving in New York at Ellis Island and that first sight of uh, Statue of Liberty, when where did you land in Canada? Well, in Halifax the, or we landed in the port of Montreal. In we the port came of Montreal. all the way up the St. Lawrence. Okay, and we were met by Otto and his dog Buster, mm -hmm. and uh, we were taken to a uh, temporary uh, flat where we stayed, and from there we moved and found a place to to live for the next few years. Okay. So it sounds like, thankfully, your early childhood in Germany was not too rough, especially with the knowledge of what was going on in Europe at the time. And your journey to Canada, although it wasn't straight to, to Canada from Germany, was somewhat straightforward. And once you got here, it was, uh, it, it was not filled with an endless number of challenges. Well, the journey to Montreal was really an adventure. It was very pleasant. Uh -huh. And uh, I remember it very well as a result. And do you know how long it took altogether? How long was the boat ride? 
Maybe two weeks. Two weeks, not bad. <clears throat> not not as quick as a plane flight, but no. not bad. So you made it to Montreal, and you were you were how old again? Seven. Seven years old. Did your parents sign you up for school right away? What were yes, those early I memories? I started like? school in Montreal. Okay. And in grade one, I had to go back to grade one. I should really have in Germany. I would have been in grade three. Mm-hmm. But uh, of course, I hadn't learned English yet. Yes. And I think it was just as well because I was still comparatively young, and um, I enjoyed public school a lot. Mm-hmm. And do you have any early memories of those times here in Canada? I assume the winters were maybe a little bit worse than Germany, or there seemed to be lots more snow. Lots more snow, of course. There were no snow blowers, so the snow accumulated in the winter. We dug tunnels through the snow banks. I made a little money uh, shoveling snow. Uh-huh. A dollar in those days was worth a lot of money. And um, I liked the winter. I learned to ski with my father, skate, and um, I enjoyed the winters. Great. Well, you have to if you live in Montreal, of course. Yes, and if, I still remember how beautiful the autumn was. Uh-huh. Uh, the, the beautiful autumn colors, and we often went out of town on the weekends Mm-hmm. and went into the countryside up in the Laurentians. Great. Now, what neighborhood did you live in when you first moved here? Uh, the first street we lived on was Old Orchard Avenue near Monkland. Okay. And then from there we moved in 1938 to uh, a street called Bottrell, mm-hmm. which is not too far from uh, Old Orchard, but uh, somewhat differently located. It was just south of... Um, a, a large uh, Catholic church, and our landlord was a French Canadian, Mr. Mm-hmm. Blackyre, mm-hmm. who uh, lived in a somewhat uh, same area downstairs from us with ten children. Now I know that your your family was not uh, that religious in Germany, and when you moved here, I assume they they didn't suddenly become religious. So Jewishly, what was your what was your childhood like? Did your family join a synagogue when they came to Montreal? Were they mostly secular, and that wasn't something they were interested in? What was your what was your religious upbringing like? Well, I was very fortunate. My parents were totally assimilated German Jews. I don't think they ever went into into a, a synagogue when they were growing up, or if they did, I never heard about it. Mm -hmm. But they enrolled me at Temple Emmanuel. The Reform Synagogue in town. Yes, Yes. and I grew up in Temple Emmanuel and loved it there. Eventually, I had my bar mitzvah there. I had a wonderful bar mitzvah teacher, whom I uh, remember very, very, uh, with with great uh, um, devotion. And I later, t- I even taught in the religious school. You so okay. Temple Emmanuel was my second home. Mm-hmm. So you made friends at the temple? and Yes, I did. Was there a youth group or other social activities outside of the school? Well, at Temple Emmanuel, we had confirmation class. So they didn't really need a youth group. Although there was a Boy Scout troop, uh, we put on plays. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was... Um, Quite a lot of socializing, but not a formal youth group. Okay. And your parents, you were at the synagogue and having a good time. Were your parents involved in the synagogue or Jewish life in any way? They were not. Okay. Would you say you were the the most religious member of your family? Well, you might say that. I never thought of myself as 
the most religious. Or maybe the most Jewishly active. Yes, yes, the most Jewishly active. And I also had an uncle uh, to whose home I went uh, nearly every Shabbos on Friday nights. And uh, when I did my confirmation portion, I studied it with him. Mm-hmm. He was from the uh, town that I told you about, and uh, he was exactly 10 years older than my father to the day. Really? And uh, I got my Jewish um, enthusiasm and, and, and emotional uh, feelings from him mm-hmm. as much as I did from Temple. So what was it that you connected with Jewishly? Was it was it the, the faith, the religion? Was it the conversation, the academic part of synagogue life? Was it being with other Jewish kids? What was your core Jewish connection when you were growing up? I always felt that um, there was no other identity that I had. I never questioned it too much later on. I always uh, associated myself with being uh, a Jew, not because of the uh, persecution that we'd gone through in Germany, but because I loved it, and uh, there was no no effort for me uh, to find myself as in Jewish life. Hmm. That's good to hear. I, I think if we could get the same feeling in the teenagers, Jewish teenagers today, that would be wonderful. As you said, not no effort. You just knew that's who you were, and you were proud of being Jewish. So, do you have any strong memories celebrating holidays? Did celebrating Shabbat, Yom Kippur, Rosh Hashanah? What, any uh, specific memories of being in the Jewish community that you, you want to My share? My strongest memory uh, are the family seders, which brought many of the family together, some of which, of course, were not terribly Jewish, but it was a, as much a family event as a uh, religious event at my uncle's ho- home. Mm-hmm. He was a sponsor of the Kiddush, uh, of the seders, uh-huh. and uh, his wife, of course, was... Uh, very uh, uh, important because she made the beautiful meals that went with it. Uh I assume she made the best matzo ball soup. Yes. So after you you left the temple, you you grew up, you you went to university in Montreal? I went to university at Bishop's University, and that was a bit of a change, very strong change, because... Bishops had been a theological college for the Anglican community. I see. And uh, I became interested in the history of ideas with the history prof that I had. And I was in the middle of doing a uh, an MA at the University of Toronto, which had to do with the clash of uh, the uh, various religious strains in the Anglican church in the 19th century. Mm-hmm. And it was at that time that uh, I was very close to becoming uh, Christian. Really? Not because I had forsaken Judaism necessarily, but I simply had grown into the culture at Bishop's University until I met uh, Emil Fackenheim at the uh, YMHA in Toronto and attended three lectures, which brought me back to Judaism uh, immediately. Mm-hmm. And I learned about Franz Rosenzweig from him, whom I'd not heard of, mm-hmm. who uh, went through a similar experience to mine. Uh, he had also been uh, considering becoming a Christian, uh, suddenly reverted back to Judaism on Yom Kippur. 
for me, it was easy. It was uh, Rabbi, former Rabbi Fackenheim, who brought me back to Judaism with a with a very quick start. It was not there was no effort to that. So, what specifically about his philosophy connected with you and, and brought you back? It was his passion. Uh huh. His passion for for Judaism, for Judaism. and they, the, the the great Jewish thinkers that he spoke about, Martin Buber, Franz Bodenzweig. Uh, and so on. Now, uh, I knew Emil Fackenheim from uh, the summers when he used to come as a guest to the farm where I worked in the summers. Hmm. Uh, the farm was owned by friends of my father. And what I remember about that was not what he talked about uh, Jewish-wise, but Jewish jokes that he told, which were very long and very funny. Uh-huh not serious, whereas those lectures that he gave, I will never forget to the end of my days, they were, and he was a very charismatic speaker. I'm told that when he went to Israel and uh, lectured at the Hebrew University, there was standing room only for his uh, lectures from students, and often they couldn't even get in. Wow. To listen to those philosophers, to to know that there wasn't just one way of understanding Judaism, that they... I'm sure asked a lot of questions, got you thinking beyond maybe the one one style of Judaism that that you grew up with or that you knew of in Germany. Was it something that expanded your your understanding of Jew, your Jewish identity in in a way? It gave me a dimension to finding God, particularly mm-hmm. uh, Martin Buber's "I and Thou," which I read after, mm-hmm. and uh, in the case of Rosenzweig. He wrote a wonderful book called the um, the title escapes me right now, but he wrote it on postcards while he was in the trenches mm. during World War One, mm-hmm. and he wrote the book and uh, each postcard uh, was sent to his mother, and later, of course, compiled into the book. Mm-hmm. Wow. So you uh, you graduated from university, filled with all these wonderful ideas of what you gained from that experience. Uh, still a proud Jew. Where did you go for work? Did you know what you wanted to do when you were in university? I wish I could have done what I had set out to do, but I didn't because my father died while I was uh, finishing my MA. Hmm. And since I was the only son and somebody had to take over the business, that's what I did. And I did that for the next 40 years. Before you ended up taking over the business, what was it that you wanted to, to do? I wanted to become a historian. A historian? Okay. Yes. This change in your life, of course, though, did, which must have been very tough, brought you into the business. What was this business? Yes, it was a business. Uh, we uh, manufactured and distributed uh, products t- for beauty salons in okay. Canada. Did you start at the top since you were a family? Did you make your way up to the top? Unfortunately, and I say that uh, very advisedly, I started at the top. Okay. Which is not, not a good idea for anyone getting into a complicated business like that. Of course. As long as you stayed at the top throughout your time in the business. Yes, I stayed on the top on the top for 40 years. Did you raise a family uh, during this time? Well, I became married. Uh, I met my wife who came here from England in 1958. We married and uh, we have three children. Okay. And, and five grandchildren. Five grandchildren. Yes. Wonderful. And do they all live in Montreal? Do they live no, nearby? No. Um, the daughters live 
in Ottawa and Toronto, mm-hmm. and my son David, whom you've met, uh, lives in Montreal. So raising a family, working, working at your business, what did you do for fun? And uh, did you travel? Did you stay? Yes, in my wife and I traveled extensively. We went to Israel. We went to England, where she's from. Uh, we we went back to Berlin. The first time I went back to Berlin after after World War Two was with my wife. I've been uh, there subsequently by myself. Mm-hmm. Um, we went to Austria. We went uh, to Yugoslavia, the, the, which was Yugoslavia at that time. Yes, those are a few of the places we went to. How did it feel going back to Germany? After the war, uh, for many people who visit Germany or you know what some would call the old country where they were where they were born, especially thinking of what happened during the Holocaust, it can be at at best somewhat challenging, at worst very traumatic. So how was it to go back to Germany for you? Well, because I hadn't had unpleasant memories to uh, fall back on, I enjoyed my visit to Berlin. Mm-hmm. Uh, we visited my old house. We met the people who lived in it. We uh, saw the uh, mansion which my grandfather had owned, which had been transformed into 18 apartments, imagine. Wow. And uh, we um, were feted by the city of Berlin, which was um, uh, helping to launch a book about the school I'd gone to Mm -hmm. and uh, paid for our trip, paid for our lodging, paid, even gave us pocket money to spend. So it was very pleasant. And I met people from my old school, whom I didn't know, of course. Many of them were older than I was. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I had, that was a very pleasant memory. We even met the author of the book, who was not Jewish, and, uh, but had um, been on sabbatical from his German university and looked around for a theme and he lighted upon the theme of this school, this Kaliski school, and went to the Leo Beck Institute in London, where they told him he could meet Lotte Kaliski, who was still the who had been the principal and who was still alive. Mm-hmm. And from through her, he got a list of all the alumni that were still alive. So it became a very interesting book, and uh, I have a copy of it, of course. Hmm. So it doesn't sound like you you felt this hatred towards Germany that, that prevented you from still respecting the, the, the growth that occurred after World War II. Not at all. Because, again, fact, many people have trouble uh, going back to Germany. Many people won't buy German cars, won't, uh, won't feel comfortable around people speaking German. But you, you still felt that was your home and you were happy to go back. Well, I knew that had been where I was born. And... Uh, I enjoyed uh, seeing Berlin, which, of course, had changed a lot. I went to a Shabbos uh, service at a small synagogue, Hmm. which uh, was a very wonderful experience because I heard a lot of music that my uncle had sung on uh, Sabbath evenings at his home. Really? Yes. And I don't know if you've uh, been paying attention the past few years with some of the changes going on in Germany uh, with the Jewish community. It, it, recently, it has not been uh, as uh, going as well as it did in the years after the Holocaust. Uh, there's been more anti-Semitism just a few 
I think a few weeks ago there was an incident with uh, someone who was beat up for wearing a kippa yarmulke in public. How do you feel Germany has done uh, with its relations with the Jewish community and with educating people about the Holocaust in the years after the Holocaust? I think these incidents uh, are more or less inevitable, largely because of the large influx of uh, Muslims from the Middle East. And what's happened in Germany is, is a far cry away from what's happened in France and even in Great Britain. So that doesn't alarm me as much as it uh, probably should. Mm-hmm. I know that the German government is very uh, strongly opposed to any uh, manifestations of anti-Semitism. And uh, I think the German government has had a remarkable record uh, from the end of World War Two to, to the present. So I think you have to see these incidents in their context. Mm-hmm. Yes, and I think, as you said, Germany, from the beginning after the war, had laws against denying the Holocaust to, to make sure that the Jewish community was taken care of. And I think looking at it in context is an important, uh, important way to understand this. And many people would say that even the response to the most recent anti-Semitic well, acts has been pretty one good. One interesting experience I had was that when we went to um, Israel, my wife and I mm-hmm. um, were traveling around the country with a group, and some members of the group were from Germany, and their city had been paired with an Israeli city, and so had their their families. And these people were not Jews, but they, w- uh-huh. they were very interested in Israel. Uh-huh. And similarly, uh, while we were on a tour of the old city on our first visit, we learned that there were 2,000 Japanese in Jerusalem at the time learning Hebrew. Really? So I tell you these anecdotes just to show you that uh, one shouldn't be too influenced by what you read in the newspapers because those sort of experiences are never uh, recounted. Of course, of course. So going back to your, your time in Montreal, so you, uh, you got your job, you raised your family, and you had this strong Jewish identity. When did you decide to uh, join Dorsche Amet? When did you decide to become formally part of the Jewish community again? Well, it was through a very close friend of ours who lived near Dorsche Amet, whose uh, son had had his bar mitzvah here, mm-hmm. and uh, we were introduced to the synagogue uh, one high holy day and uh, loved it so much that uh, we decided eventually to join. What did you love so much about it? Uh, it was small, it was very intimate, and yeah. we all loved uh, Levi Becker. Uh-huh. What was it about him that you liked so much? He was a very warm and uh, welcoming uh, Jew. Uh-huh. Well, I think our community has always been known for being able to be a place where you can ask questions, where philosophy is something that's often discussed. And with your love of the Jewish philosophers, that was that something else you noticed that people people looked at Judaism from many different levels, spiritual to the uh, maybe to the academic. Was that something that you saw too? Yes, in fact, um, at one time I was um, able to do uh, organize some classes here for adult groups, and uh, that gave me a lot of satisfaction. 
Uh-huh. You taught the classes? You, yes. You, you did? I organized and taught them, yes. Do you remember what these classes were? Well, one of them was about Jewish heroes. There uh-huh. were 17 Jewish heroes on the list, and they weren't all religious uh, heroes, but Leo Beck, for example, was one of them. Hmm. And as you well know, if you give a course, you you have to be the best student. Of course, yes. So you you, you studied and made sure you were prepared. Yes. Uh-huh. In our Jewish community, as I mentioned, we have many different pathways to being Jewish. There, there are people here who do co- primarily connect with the religious aspect of Jewish life. There are people who love the academic discussions, who connect with the culture, the spirituality. So as you reflect on your connection with Judaism from your childhood at, uh, in, in Germany to coming here to going to the Reform Synagogue, to raising a family and later joining this Reconstruction Synagogue, who are you Jewishly? What is your primary connection with Jewish life? Is it about identity? Is it about religion, culture, history? How would you identify yourself as a Jew? My prime attraction is through the community, through the people that I love here in the synagogue and being able to worship together, both uh, uh, every week and at Shabbos and during the High Holidays and other uh, Jewish holidays mm-hmm. that I attend. Uh-huh. So community is, is very important. I think so. Now, of course, the Jewish community today is uh, not one community. There are many synagogues in Montreal. There's different denominations to choose from. And for most Jews, Judaism is a choice. You don't have to come to a synagogue if you, if you don't want to, unless your, your parents are forcing you to. How do you think that we can inspire more people to connect with Jewish community, to maintain a pride in being Jewish. Uh, What do you think we need to pass on to the next generation of Jews to make sure that Judaism and Jewish communities stay strong? First of all, I think it's important not to imbibe any prejudice against anyone, particularly against fellow Jews who may not belong to the same communities. One of the the greatest uh, obstacles to loving being a Jew is to categorize other Jews as being different. Mm -hmm. I have never felt that way personally. I feel at home at any synagogue, even if I haven't worshiped there, because there's always something that uh, will draw me into the uh, spiritual life of the group that that I'm with. Mm -hmm. And that's true. uh, I experienced that when I traveled uh, in various parts of the world, as well as here in Montreal. So you definitely feel kinship with other Jews, even if they don't always share your beliefs or if they're out from outside That's of the right. community. Uh huh. Now there is the inside the Jewish community. That's a wonderful philosophy to have to respect each other, to respect difference. How do you see our Jewish community and the Jewish community as a whole in relation to the rest of the world? Of course, doing uh, interfaith work to thinking about what role we have in tikkun olam and fixing some of, of the brokenness in the world? What role do we have in the greater world community? Well, Dorshe Emet, I think, is in transition. There are many different uh, age groups to bring together. Having been here 40 years or so, uh, it's difficult at times for me because I don't know the people who've come to the synagogue in the recent years. Mm-hmm. But I think that it's important to find an ethos together. Mm-hmm. 
And it, obviously that has to include our feelings and relationship to Israel, mm-hmm. to Jews in our own community, particularly our neighbors. Yes. And um, also to review our history from time to time, not just uh, from Torah readings, but uh, from the actual history that the Jewish people have lived through during the last few hundred years, particularly the last hundred years. So to know where we came from, yes. that, that can help us move forward. Yes. And what about, again, this connection with the rest of the world, the, the non-Jewish it's, uh, world? It's, it's just, uh, to, to elaborate a little bit, I, when I went back to the little town that my family came from, all I could find was a postcard with a picture of the synagogue that had been there. And when I come to Shabbos, I often imagine myself standing in that little synagogue, worshiping there rather than here. I think that's the kind of feeling that um, would answer some of your uh, your question. I don't think it's just how we will be in the future or even in the present. We have to be in all those time periods at the same time. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful way to, to look at it. And I think your, your love of history, I'm sure, influences the way you think about Yes, about it certainly this, does. That history is not just something to, to read in a book, but it, it should bring you to a place where you can feel deeply connected with the past and allow it to influence how you function, how you relate to others in the present, and how you think about, uh, about our future as a community. Yes, very much so. As I mentioned, of course, there are so many blessings about being part of a Jewish community. Uh, if for those who, who like synagogue life, it's a blessing to be part of a synagogue. It does have its challenges. And of course, uh, one of those is that we have an older community attracting younger members. This is something that every synagogue has, has trouble with. I briefly asked this question, but again, what can we do to make sure that people understand that Judaism is something that's relevant, that's something that is worth them holding on to. Just understanding their history is a start, but it might not be enough. How can we get kids and teenagers and young adults to not only connect, but also make sure to in some way pass on Judaism to their children and to future generations? I think it's more difficult now because we Jews are not under threat as we were. 50 years ago when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. Israel is no longer under the same threats that it was. So the younger generation is growing up probably in a golden age for Jews. It's very hard to imbue thankfulness if you've never suffered. So we have to find ways to um, associate our feelings as Jews emotionally as well as uh, intellectually. Mm-hmm. And the most difficult thing nowadays for um, young Jews is to feel that sense of um, awe that I felt as a young youngster. Yes. Um, so this is a challenge which um, has to be approached in different ways. I don't think there's any single answer. Mm-hmm. But certainly, having posed the question and knowing that it's a, a, ch- a challenge is a good beginning. I hope so, yes. 
And you've mentioned Israel a few times. I know you visited and you've mentioned this as, as part of your Jewish identity and something that we should pass on to others. What role do you think holding on to a connection with Israel, educating about Israel, visiting Israel has in maintaining a strong Jewish community and moving us forward? Well, unless you go there, you can't appreciate the country. It's one thing to uh, have a uh, emotional or even a, a intellectual connection with Israel, but unless you live there, unless you walk the streets, unless you go to the Negev, unless you meet your fellow Jews in Israel, unless you feel the country from every angle, you cannot possibly appreciate what Israel really is. And do you hope to go back? Yes, I've been several times, and uh, when I'm uh, my health has improved some more, yes. I, I certainly will go back because not only do I love the country, but I have family there as well. Uh-huh. You've been in this world for many years now. You've had a long journey uh, from Germany to Montreal, and you, you've shared so much of your wisdom already. Where do you think we're headed as a world? Where do you think, outside of the Jewish community, there are more than enough challenges? It's it's sometimes difficult to wake up and open the paper, look online for to see what's happening in our world. Where do you think we're headed, and how do you think we can head down a hopefully more clear and a more uh, compassionate path? I think it's a miracle that the world has not had any major world war since 1945 mm -hmm. and uh, hopefully it will continue because we have the means to destroy ourselves having that risk knowing that that's possible is a deterrence which prevents the world from going uh, to the abyss i hope that the values that we jews have will be uh, absorbed uh, at, to, by the world at large, that there be that there will be universal peace, that we will love our fellow world citizens as ourselves, that we will try to do what we can to abolish uh, poverty, starvation, disease, ignorance, and help uh, the the rest of mankind to um, enjoy life on this earth, which. Is certainly possible and uh, should be the uh, heritage of everyone. That's a beautiful vision. I hope we can hope we can reach that. So do I. I think that um, the um, things that I've learned, particularly since I got sick or was sick, is to value life itself and to know the simple, important things that uh, allow us to live life and be um, um, happy and um, tolerant. Mm -hmm. And that is uh, to, to remain humble and to, uh, to love justice mm -hmm. and to, to try to find a relationship, not only with, only with our fellow man, but with God. Well, and you've, you've done that throughout your life so far, and I know you'll continue to hold on to those values. Thank you. Well, thank you, Peter, for sharing your story and for inspiring all of us with your vision for our Jewish community and for the Jewish future. It's been an honor hearing your story. Thank you very much. It's been an honor to do it, too.
hope you enjoyed this episode of A Jewish Life. There are so many stories out there, so much wisdom to share, and you could be next. If you're interested in sharing your story on our podcast, or if you have comments on the show, you can always contact me at boris at ajewishlife.org, or find me on our website, ajewishlife.org, or on Facebook at A Jewish Life. Your story, your journey, is part of our story, and I look forward to getting to know you on A Jewish Life. Thank you.